Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Matt Brumfield. Um, not to be confused with Brandon Marshall, although people do say that we look alike. Um, <laughs> so I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited that I get the privilege um, to, to lead us through week four in our series of Kingdom Parables. Um, and so I was given uh, the, the parable of the treasure, as we saw in these videos. Um, and so... A little disclaimer, so some of what I do now is get to, get to work with some of the media, and so like I've put together some of these videos, um, and so just so you know, because there's rumors sometimes like I know there's some with like a lot of crops, so I don't actually go out and film everything, I use stock footage, and I was not a farmer, and so I apologize for those of you that if you looked at this and you're like, that's corn, not wheat, or you're like, that's not pearls. Uh, I spend a lot of time, but I want to be faithful. And so there's not very many stock footage of people looking at pearls. Um, and I don't know how to scuba dive or have access to an airplane to be able to fly somewhere to take that. Um, and so, but I'm excited uh, this morning as we get to continue to, to dive in together. Um, but it's funny because I actually, as I am excited here that wasn't the motion leading up to a lot of this. Um, so this was a big year for me. I turned the big 3-0. And so with that, I spent a lot of time reflecting um, because I've actually been on staff here for 10 years, which like I was seeing all these numbers. I was like, I'm turning 30. I've spent a third of my life at the North Canton Chapel. Um, and, and it's funny that as I was preparing for this, um, this idea of treasure, and I think even when we think of this, the first thing, right, we want to think of like gold or pirates or other things like this. But we're going to think a little bit more abstract. But even in this, I realized God was speaking something to me. And it wasn't exactly what I wanted to hear because it was a little uncomfortable. Because as I was doing reflecting on turning 30 and like a third of my life here, I realized something about I had lived a lot of my life in fear, in fear of others. And the reality, the root behind that is because for a majority of my life, what I treasured <clears throat> is the opinions of others. And I hadn't even recognized this, but the reason that I would get so angry at things is because I desperately wanted to be able to please everyone. Um, and there was this, this fear of others that at the root of it was because I deeply treasured and I needed people <clears throat> to like me or to want me. And as we press into this story, we're going to be pressing into, like, what do we treasure? Um, and this morning, as I stood up here, because I believe that, like, God has spoken to us clearly through his word. And he has a word that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. And even in some of this is there is this, what if I say something that somebody doesn't like? And what if they don't like me? And this word this morning for me as I was wrestling through these emotions was, I don't need people to like you on this earth. And the reality is I don't want anyone in here to like me on this earth. Because I want you to so deeply know the joy that comes from Jesus. And the eternity that can be experienced in his fullness and his goodness. And so if it means that for a season someone doesn't like us but that at some point they can experience what it means to know the depths of who God is and be a part with him, restored to the way they should be for eternity, then I'll gladly take 
however many people have to not like me so that they may come to know Jesus. So let me pray for us before we stand together and read the word. But if you would, pray with me. Father, God, you are so good. Lord, I pray that this morning, God, I don't know. I don't know what's happened before anyone walked in these doors. But God, you are the God that sees and you know. Jesus, we believe and we proclaim that your name is mighty. And whatever it is that, that may be holding over our heads, God, I pray that you just speak a greater word this morning. Lord, for the one in here that's tired, God, that they would be refreshed. God, that as we, as we press into your word, God, remove me. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Let me be your vessel, but let this not be me. Let this be you. Spirit, open ears to hear and eyes to see what you want us to see and what you want us to hear. And God, we pray this in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So if you would stand with me, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. And it says this, uh, it'll be up on the screen. Uh, you can read on your device or your Bibles. Um, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. You can be seated. So as we, as we press into this, I need to look at my time. Oh, the timer works now, so thanks. I didn't want to talk too long. I, I hung around too many of these guys, and so I tend to go over now. Um, <laughs> Just kidding, Brandon. So this parable is a little unique. So Brandon walked us through three before this. And so this parable actually takes place. So after Jesus was talking to the crowd, he retreats into a house with his disciples. And this parable comes right after. And then Pastor Dave's up next week. And so his parable is going to come. These kind of go back to back with Jesus in the house with his disciples. And the disciples had actually asked a question. They asked Jesus to explain the parable of the weeds. And so Jesus explains it. But as we know, like, we get more than we ask for uh, when we ask Jesus questions. And even, like, maybe if you've done that, as you spent time journaling, God usually speaks to us beyond maybe what we want to hear or what we ask to hear. And so Jesus gives this next section with the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great value. And these are very similar, um, but they're a little bit different. And so with these, there's really like these two types of people that this hits. And hopefully, I think this would encompass everyone in this room. And so the first parable is someone who stumbles upon treasure. And so as we look at this, right, this is this heartbeat. And, and this is echoed, right, Paul writes in Romans 10 as he's quoting Isaiah, right, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. And so this, this first type of person is the one that, and maybe you're in this room, maybe you got here this morning and you weren't really planning on it, 
Or maybe you're here because you're like a student or a child and you're here because mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or your guardian makes you come here. This first parable kind of speaks to, maybe that's you, that you've just, this is one that they stumbled upon this. They weren't searching. They had no plan of finding this treasure, whatever this treasure was, but they stumbled upon it. The second one, it says, is someone that like their profession, right, was finding treasure. That's what they were. And they do find this. They find this pearl of great value, and maybe that's you. Um, I think if we looked at that, maybe that's someone that you're one. And I think if we took this to today's context, in the context of, right, right, when Jesus was talking about this, there's this, like, meaning behind this parable. So this isn't, like, about we should all be, like, treasure hunters for, like, literal gold. And so we need to, like, be that guy at the park. It is, it's the kingdom of heaven is like. And so the two type of people that could be here this morning is maybe you're the one, you're the second and maybe you've spent a lot of your life like searching. Like you would say maybe that I've known Jesus, I've followed Jesus for a long time. Or I've been doing this church thing for a long time. Is that you could walk someone through a lot of Bible studies and all these things. And not these are, but like this is someone who they've spent, they have their idea of this is who I am. They've put in the boxes, they're searching what makes me this better person, this better, this better right, husband, this better wife, this better leader. Right? They're searching for this. And, and both of these right, are one that, that they're searching or stumbling upon. And though they are different, the result is the same. Because what happens when they find this treasure, both the one that stumbled because they had no plans of this being a part of their life, and the one whose plan was like, I'm going to become this, I'm searching for this treasure, uh, in this case like for this wisdom, for this knowledge, it says they both traded everything they once valued, everything that they once placed their worth their trust, their identity in for this greater treasure. They rid what was for what is better, and they did it with joy. And so Jesus is speaking to this idea of the kingdom of God, right? knowing him, being found in him as infinitely better than anything we could ever taste, anything we could ever experience, anything we could ever do or be. And both of these in this, it says they traded what was for what is better. You know, Paul speaks to this, this idea of experiencing the fullness of the kingdom of God. In Philippians 3, 7 and 8, it says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. You know, Paul was one that, that he was before he came to know Jesus. He was a very religious person. He was one that could cross off on the list, and a lot of us right know this, and he had prided himself in all the things that he had done, and then he has this moment where he experiences 
who Jesus is. And this morning, what I want to challenge us to do is to to step back for a moment and ask ourselves a question about what we treasure. Jesus speaks in Matthew 6, 21, and says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In Luke 12, 32, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so I want us to do, because I think this is one of those where it's this interesting, when we really ask ourselves to be honest about what we treasure, for some, this may be tough. And for me, it was tough because I actually, until this past year, spent a lot of my life totally blinded to this idea that I treasured so deeply Even though I could say years ago that I had given my life to Christ, I was following Jesus, right? I was on staff here. But you see, I hadn't adequately done space to ask myself, what in this season was I treasuring more than Jesus? And so I want you to do right here, and this might be weird and that's okay. But I want you to pause for a minute. And it's going to be silent in here for about 30 seconds. And I want you to just pray. I'm going to pray over you. I want you to pray. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit this question. I want you to ask him to reveal, is there something in your life that right now you are treasuring more than Jesus? And so if everybody would, just just close your eyes, bow your heads. and, And I want you to ask. Is there something that you're treasuring more than Jesus, God? Lord, as we press into this idea of your kingdom and this idea of treasure and trading it, Jesus, we want to make much of you. Holy Spirit, will you show us, will you show all of us gathered here, is there something in our life that maybe has has snuck into a place God, we aren't even aware, but that it's trying to distract us, God, from you, from the fullness of you, from your grace, for your goodness. Is there some lie that we haven't even realized we've been treasuring and believing that that thinks that we have to somehow do something to, to earn your approval? That we have to somehow be something to have value? Jesus, will you speak that to us, to each individually right here, right now, what? Is there something that we are treasuring more than you? God, will you speak that to us? Pray this in your name. Amen. So as we go through, there's going to be three things we look at that I think speaks clearly in this. And you might think, huh? And that's okay. And why I asked you to, to think of that, that item um, is because I think until we're honest about what we treasure, we can't be honest about what God is asking us and calling us to do today and tomorrow and the days ahead. And the first truth of something that we should treasure is this, treasure your king. If you're filling in your blanks, you can write king right there in that first one. This series is called Kingdom Parables, and so the idea of a kingdom implies a king. And the result of being a citizen of the kingdom of God is that you and I are no longer king of our life. 
And I think this is this tough one, but I think until we, we get to this, this idea of King Jesus, which is foreign to us, and I know we talk a lot about it here, but in the context of day to day, it's very foreign, this idea of a king, right? We read about it in history books, um, but, right, kingdom implies a king. The result of being a citizen of the kingdom of God is that you are, and I are no longer king of our life. Right? A king is the one who rules, who reigns. And we, we've heard this a lot, but like, do we, do we get this and do we believe this? And not just believe it, do we treasure this? That there is a king. Now, when we talk about this, right, I think sometimes there's this distorted idea of kings because the kings of history, the human kings, were not good kings. Maybe they did good things, but inherently, right, there's this wickedness and brokenness. And so if we look back through history, you see kings doing terrible atrocities. But this idea of a king means that there's one who rules over us, but he rules while he is just and while he is powerful, and while that's actually a good thing, he is also gracious, and he is merciful, and he is provider. And so when we have this idea of treasuring a king, because what it begins to do is it moves our hearts from treasuring other things and these disbeliefs to looking at him as he is king of my life. The king is the one who will provide for us. The king is the one that, that, right, he has, right, this keep, that he shelters us. The king is the one that goes out and fights for us. We are not defenseless. We are not abandoned, right? We are not on our own to fend for ourselves. He is this king. But you have to come under the king in order to get that. But he is good. He's not like the kings you see, right, on your TV shows or these movies, right, or read about in the history books. He is Jesus, and he is king of kings and lord of lords. Do you treasure your king? But see, I think too often, and this is truth for me, I've been guilty of treating Jesus, Christianity, the local church, like a trade show giveaway. Right? His grace is free, and it feels good, but I don't really know how I'm ever going to use this outside of a Sunday morning or when I show up to this location or somebody's house for a Bible study or a missional community. And for some, right, we float from table to table trying to pick the coolest, most comfortable form of Jesus that people are going to say something, right, because we want to be encouraged, but there's some of this where right, I kind of still want to do my own thing. But Jesus isn't calling us to try a product. He's inviting us to be active citizens of his kingdom. And there's this truth of Jesus as king is that there's this open invitation. We all have a seat at the table. But I think for some of us, myself included, we've forgotten that it's not our table, it's his. And what can tend to happen is we believe it's our table and it's our kingdom. And we need to ask God to constantly transform every day the way that we think We have to ask ourselves, am I being defined by my culture? Am I being defined by my political party? Am I being defined by the era, the generation that I grew up in? Or am I being defined by my King Jesus? 
And it's not that some of these things are bad things, but when we let them be the king of our lives and of our hearts, we're missing this and we're treasuring our political parties and our culture and our generation more than the king who has this open invitation and moves what was broken and what was hurting and abandoned and gives them purpose and identity in his kingdom. And we forget this when we forget our grace. You see, the second part, the second thing we need to treasure is we need to treasure our grace. Do you treasure your grace? Do you treasure the depths at which Jesus went to to pay the price for our sins, for your sin, for mine? Or did you forget? Did I forget what I was? And it breaks my heart when I'd sit with students and And it was such a struggle because they didn't understand the depths to which Jesus went because they said, I kind of just always been a Christian. We can't just always be Christians. My boys were born into this world, wicked and sinners and in desperate need of Jesus. My daughter, who's going to be born in August, she's not born a Christian, a good little girl. She's born in need of Jesus. Do you treasure your grace? May my prayer is that I never stop forgetting the depths in which Jesus went to redeem me because there was a cost for my sin and Jesus and Jesus alone paid it on the cross. Do you treasure your grace? Because this is not a king that looks at you. He has every right to look down and say, you stand condemned. But he went to the cross on our behalf. Do you treasure that? Not just on a Sunday morning and Easter when that's what we're supposed to do, but today and tomorrow and with every day that you have breath, you treasure your grace. It cost Jesus to pay the price to cover our sin, our rebellion, our wickedness. And with that, it costs our old life, the things that we once identified to be made into his image. We must constantly fight the battle that says I'm defined by anything other than Jesus. And it's not that these things maybe in and of themselves are bad, but when we let them become king and have reign in our life, we've forgotten our grace. We've forgotten whose we are and what identifies us. His grace reminds us that you and I didn't earn our seat at the table. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we, you and I, are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, grace reminds us Reminds us that there was a season in which we were lost. But there is a king, a God, who is greatly powerful and sees beyond the current circumstances that we're in, that our neighbors are in, that our coworkers are in, that our children and our grandchildren are in. And the question I was asking myself As I treasure my grace, it's it's easy sometimes to get comfortable. That we can settle into our seat at the table. 
that we can get comfortable by saying I'm good with the Bible studies I know, my ABF, my MC, and not that these are bad, but we can begin to treasure these places and get comfortable and say, if this is it, I'm good. I like who's here. And we can forget that this isn't our table. And that we don't get to choose who sits next to us. Do you treasure your place? Because you see, God is doing this work to redeem and restore all things to himself. In Ephesians 2, right, it said that he created us, right, in advance for these good works. For some of us, we have to ask ourselves, have I settled in? Have I been acting as though the party has already started, as though, right, if I sit here, that's good enough? Have I lost sight of a great God who can do great things? Have I become frustrated because people won't change and I haven't really stepped into places because I say, this is too difficult. They're too annoying. Everything I say, right, I like how it is. Or do I treasure the place? And when we talk about this, I think we have to talk about what place is. Because in this parable, right, there's two ways in which the people find this treasure. And I think the truth that speaks in this is for some of us, right, we treasure and we believe, right, this is the solution. Right, there's some that say, right, if we just did things the way they used to be. And there's some of the young that are like, if it's just this new phase that changes tomorrow and tomorrow, that's how it should be. But the truth that speaks here is like this truth of, there's the one that was searching specifically for this, and they found the treasure. And there's the one that had no intention that stumbled upon it. And I think, right, a word that we should hear in this is that we've grown frustrated and confusing the one way of gaining Christ as the only way of finding the treasure. Because I think when, when Jesus looks, what he says to us is, should we have a choir singing? Yes. Should we have kids jumping up and down? Yes. Should we have an ABF? Yes. Should we have a Bible study that meets in your workplace? Yes. Should we have a coffee shop? That, that hires employees and that is pressing in and talking to them about Jesus, yes. I think for some of us, we have to check and say, have we so treasured the way in which we believe is the only way for someone to experience Jesus that we've begun to put God in a man-sized box instead of dreaming dreams that can only happen because we have a God-sized God and access to God-sized power. Do we treasure the way that we've always done things, the way that makes us comfortable, more than we treasure what God is calling us to? 
be participants in. As we look at today, as we look at this this passage, this parable, what do you treasure? Do you treasure your king? The king who fought for you, that is fighting for you. Then maybe you're in here and you're resistant to that because you look and you say, well, if God provides, why did I just lose my job? I mean, if God is protector, then why is my family, my marriage falling apart? That if God is love, then why haven't I felt that? And you see, there's this deeper side of this is there is this very spiritual battle that's happening for us, that's happening around us. And there's a king that fights for us. My question is, is have you pressed in? Have you stepped in outside of when a pastor on a stage or a leader in a room calls you to prayer? calls you to the word. Because let me tell you this, that if you are in Christ, you don't need me to tell you what to do. I mean, the pastors are placed here to help shepherd and guide, but let me tell you this, Christian, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that fed the 5,000, that healed the blind, that drove out demons, that silenced the sea. The Spirit of God is living inside of you. Do you believe that? Do you press in in the day-to-day and don't just wait, like, listen to me. It's not that a yard sign or an invite to a Bible study are bad things, but if that's the limit to what we're saying, what we're treasuring, what we're believing God is going to move, then our kingdom is not going to reach very wide because we put boxes on it. When God is saying, as you are going in the everyday, and we gather here to remember, but the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, and he's saying, you don't need my permission for you to talk to your co worker, right? God has given this to you that you can give to others. Like you are free to do this in the spirit of God. And there's this reality that for some of us, maybe, right, you feel overwhelmed. And so maybe you're believing this lie that you have to do this alone, but there is grace for you. And this grace says that you are not alone. And so maybe what you need today is you say, I need someone to pray for me because I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling defeated. I'm feeling like there's no hope. And I'm telling you, because of Jesus, there is hope. And there's nothing, nothing that can stand against that. We sang it this morning, right? Jesus, he makes the darkness tremble. And there is a real battle that's happening for each and every one of us. But there is a God who is greater. And so 
what are you treasuring? Do you treasure your place in this kingdom? And do you recognize that there is a God who wants to do great things and you don't know the seasons that are ordained for that person or that generation, but do you pray as though there's a battle happening and you do believe that even though someone now may identify as this, that there is a God who can move them to sit at his table? Or do we say the laws aren't working, this isn't working, give up on this generation? Or do we say there is a God who is bigger than our political parties, the way that we've identified our generations, there is a God who invites through the power of the cross all to have new life in him and him alone. And it doesn't make sense. And I don't always like it, but that doesn't matter because he's king and he is good and he loves you so deeply. Do you treasure him? I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to pray for some very specific things. And as we close in this song, if you need prayer, if you need to do business with God in your seat, or you want someone to pray with you down front, I'm going to ask that whatever God is calling you to do, that you do that. But I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for those here that maybe that there's, that there's strongholds in your life, that maybe there's something that you've been treasuring. There's something that you so desperately want to break free from. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a mindset. I'm going to pray because what I believe is that there is a God who can do great things. That there is freedom in Christ. And I can't promise when that will come, but I know there is a God that moves and that he is on the move. And I'm going to pray for us in this room that maybe we've treasured a way of doing things. That maybe God would open our eyes and that it's not one that says, I don't value the seasons in which this worked. But he's one that says, like, there is, there is this generation that needs to experience me. That for the older in here that... Right, this younger generation has Google, and so they have a lot of knowledge. But do you know what you can give that they need that, that they can't find on Google? They need this display of a God who is relentless. That when everyone else has turned their back, that there is a God, Jesus, who went to the cross on their behalf. When everyone else gets angry at the way they are, that they need you to be this display of love. They need you to step in, not just say, I'm retired, I've done my season. Like, they need you to be those grandparents that love them. Even if they don't want that love right now, they need you to step in. And maybe it's that we've treasured this mindset. And so I'm going to pray that the Spirit would speak to us, would break through that. And for those that are younger, right, that we need you. Because sometimes we forget that we've put God in the way that we follow Jesus in this box and we're comfortable. And younger, we need you to press into this, that there is a God that moves beyond the walls of 715 Whittier Avenue, beyond the way that we've done things. And we need you to remind us, not doing things foolishly, because you need to remember that you're not Jesus. So your place on this earth is not to like to save it. Only Jesus can do that. But we need you, right, to dream God-sized dreams. Because for some of us, we think we know it and we've been hurt and burned by failure.
And we've forgotten what it looks like to take a risk that Jesus is calling us to. And we need you to remind us that God calls us to take a risk every day, to dream God-sized dreams, to do great things, not for our glory, but for his. And that we as a church, that we would treasure Jesus, that we don't let the past define us, that we don't let our fear define us, that we don't let who's on this stage define us, but that we step forward in faith, that there is a God who has not failed us, and he won't, that Jesus paid the price for our sins. Let's pray. Great God in heaven, you are so good. Jesus, we just come before you and surrender. We confess that you are Lord, that you paid the price on the cross for our behalf. Jesus, I pray if for the one in here that maybe stumbled here, feels like they're stumbling through life, that feels weighed down by the darkness around them. Jesus, in your mighty name, I just pray hope over them. Jesus, I pray that your spirit would do a great work in their life. That whatever it is that's holding them down, that they believe is too much, that there's no way they could find freedom. That Jesus, in your name, that you would, you would do a great work in their life. King, Lord, Father, I just ask that we would look to you. God, that we would not be so stuck in our past or in our box that we miss what you are calling us to do that we've become so comfortable that we miss, that God, you are calling us, that you have given us your spirit living inside us, that we don't let fear get in the way of what you are asking us to do, that we don't let fear silence our voice as we've listened, as we heard, that we take the words that some of us have been hearing for generations and that we would give it away with grace, with truth, with love to others around us that we would step forth in boldness to the places and spaces that you've called us to, that we would not be defined by our culture, our political party, our generation, but Jesus, we would be defined by you. God, that we would pray bold prayers, that we would pray powers in your name for those around us who are hurting, who are in darkness, and that you would use us that we would not settle in and wait for that day when you're coming, but that we would work until our last breath for your sake. And Lord, for us at the North Canton Chapel, God, thank you that you have not abandoned us. Jesus, you are head of this church. May we remember that. Lord, may your Holy Spirit guide us May you lead us to the wisdom and knowledge of those you have placed in leadership, but may we as a body move forward, not in fear, but in power, the power that you have given us. And Jesus, may we never forget the depths to which you have gone to, that you paid the price for our sin, that it was my sin, that puts you on that cross. But God, you are so good. May we treasure that. Jesus, you paid it all.
We give you our praise. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.